Yesterday, after a young, well, youngish caller uh, called in talking about the fact he hadn't been able to go into work because of issues around his mental health, I was surprised at the number of texts and emails I received almost immediately from people who were either experiencing similar stress and anxiety themselves or had family members who were. The texts came flooding in, and now seeing the data this morning from a survey of a 1,000 New Zealanders, I understand why. 73% of the respondents aged between 18 and 34 said they had been so stressed in the past year they could not cope. That's 73% of 18 to 34-year-olds. More than 60% of those young adults said they'd felt sad or hopeless almost every day for a couple of weeks or more. 40% of 18 to 34-year-olds had seriously considered suicide or self-harm in the past year. 40% felt so desperate that they seriously considered hurting themselves. Concern about personal finances was the main source of stress for people under 50, ahead of jobs and relationships with family and friends. More than a third of the respondents under 35 told the pollsters they'd taken time off work or school to deal with a personal mental health issue in the past year. One in five had taken time off to support a family member or friend, and that relates pretty much to the texts and emails and calls I got yesterday from family members who were taking, you know, uh, their son overseas to to seek expert care because he simply wasn't getting better here. Mums who texted me to say that their children had had to take time off school, and so they'd spent time with them trying to get them back into a state of mind where they felt they could cope. 27% of the young adults had seen a therapist or a psychiatrist in the past year. 21% took medication to help them deal with a mental health problem. It's a huge, huge issue, and one the Labour government vowed to take action on when they came into government. Andrew Little was on the Mike Hosking Breakfast this morning, and the health minister says they are making headway. The big thing, the big difference that's been made since 2019 and the issue that was identified in the report in 2018 was people with mild to moderate mental health issues not getting access to any services at all. Mm. That, that explains the 200 extra roles we've put in place and the 18,000 people who used them in September alone. Do you need more than 608 beds? No, we don't need more than, uh, we don't need more than, um, we don't need a lot more beds. What we mainly need is beds in the community and what we need is more um, outpatient services. That's where the big demand is that we're struggling to meet at the moment. And I remember that. I remember when the last time we we talked about mental health, the catalyst for that was a mum whose 14-year-old daughter had been brought home by police officers. She was trying to harm herself. She was told her daughter needed urgent care, but the wait to see a psychologist was more than a month, and this was for a girl who was considered urgent. So Andrew Little says they it's got better, that they've hired more people, they've hired more specialists, they've hired more people so that you can access a psychologist or a psychiatrist if you need to see one or a family member needs to see one. It was interesting too to hear that the, of that 1.9 billion, a lot of that is going into actually bricks and mortar where people can have uh, community care after they've received treatment and need to be rehabilitated. 
they, there will be beds for them to go to. So that's where a lot of the money will be spent. It had been earmarked for bricks and mortar. So that five or six different constructions, but he said it had been delayed and was frustrating. So that's where some of the money has gone. He says a lot of the money has gone into making sure that people can access mental health care when they need it. Is that true? Have you found that if you need help or a family member needs help, that care is there, that there are the staff there to be able to see you? If a GP says, look, I I really think you need to talk to somebody about this, I really think you need to see a psychologist to help you through this, have you been able to access the care that you need? I just feel so incredibly sad that so many young New Zealanders are this desperate. I mean, it is no surprise. All the ingredients are there for people to feel despondent, I guess. Lockdowns are not good for the human psyche, in the main. If you are thinking, you know, how the hell am I going to be able to pay a mortgage? That's one issue. The other is, how the hell am I ever going to have a home of my own? That's another. If you've got social media telling you your life is supposed to be perfect and you don't feel it is, that's another issue. I'd, I, you know, 40% of 18 to 34-year-olds have considered suicide or self-harm in the past year. That is a damning, damning statistic. Now, I always considered it to be like the equivalent of winning Willy Wonka's golden ticket to be born here, to be born in this country, where everybody has a chance, everybody has an opportunity, everybody will be looked after if they need to be, if through some awful stroke of fate you're unable to care for yourself, there is a community that will help you look after yourself. It doesn't feel so lucky anymore. And certainly, it would appear that young New Zealanders don't feel they've won the golden ticket at all by being born here. So I'd love to hear from those of you who have tried to access help, what the catalyst is for you feeling perhaps despondent, feeling depressed, feeling stressed. Do you believe you'll be able to get through this? Is it just a temporary thing? What steps can you take to improve your outlook on life, to feel more hopeful, to feel more positive? It's just a damning, damning indictment on this country when you see how miserable so many young people are.